They are. Opinions and views expressed on Alaska Outdoors magazine are not necessarily the opinions and views of staff and management of KBYR. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Alaska Outdoors magazine. Welcome to Alaska Outdoors Magazine with host Evan Swenson. You're invited to come along with us as we bring you accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. It's your KBYR window to Alaska's outdoors. If it's in the outdoors and in Alaska, it's right here on Alaska Outdoor Magazine. Now here's Evan Swenson, your host for Alaska Outdoor Magazine. This is Evan Swenson. My guest today is Representative Vic Coring. Now's the time to make sure we have more fish in the river next summer and in future summers. And Representative Coring's doing something about it. He's filed a bill in the legislature with the intent of putting more fish in the rivers for consumptive users, for sport fishermen, personal use fishermen, and subsistence fishermen. We'll see what he thinks can be done to stop the dismal runs. We'll ask Representative Coring where, where, where his bill is now and where he thinks it is going. We'll try to determine why his bill is necessary in the first place and if he thinks the Board of Fish is managing the fishery according to the state's constitution mandate of maximum sustained yield. We'll also ask Representative Coring why the people in south-central Alaska can't have the rivers close to home full of fish for local residents to enjoy. And we'll see if fish farming has a place in Alaska. We'll ask Representative Vic Coring these questions, have the Alaska Outdoors Trivia Contest, and give away two tickets to Saturday's UAA hockey game. And we'll finish up today with one last cast. Today's one last cast is titled, Honey, the Black Bear Cub. We'll visit with uh, Representative Coring, have the Alaska Outdoor Trivia Contest, save time for one last cast, and go to the phones for your questions and comments in just a moment. We'll be right back with accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. There's an author, Masterminds book by Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Raven's Cove. Welcome to Raven's Cove, Alaska, a tiny town nestled in a small hollow on the majestic Cook Inlet, a town familiar with storytelling. After all, Alaska abounds in rich legends. In Raven's Cove, though, legends have a tendency to come to life. You'll find all of Marianne's iconoclast thriller books with the publication's consultant's logo on the cover at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. If you'd like to be an author mastermind's published author like Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, publication consultants can help. If you've written a book, if you're writing a book, or if you're thinking about writing a book, call for the free booklet, Bringing Your Book to Market. Call 349-2424. Raven's Cove was just a dream until Mary Ann Paul ordered her own Bringing Your Book to Market. Publications Consultant will send you the booklet free. Call 349-2424 for the free booklet Bringing Your Book to Market. 349-2424. Mary Ann Paul called, and now Raven's Cove is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. You're listening to Alaska Outdoor Magazine on 700 KBYR. Well, welcome to Alaska Outdoor Magazine, your KBYR window to Alaska Outdoors. This is your show, and it's your time to talk. This is a live show originating in Anchorage. I'm Evan Swenson, and today we're visiting with Representative Vic Coring about improving the dismal fishing runs. And in a few minutes, we'll have the Alaska Outdoors Trivia Contest and give away two tickets to Saturday's UAA hockey game. If you're a hockey fan and if you think you know Alaska trivia, why well, stick around. You may be the winner. 
And now let's talk. Let's talk with uh, Representative Vic uh, Coring. Uh, Representative, thank you for joining us this afternoon. It's a real pleasure to be here, Evan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it uh, is nice to have you here. What are we doing about the dismal uh, salmon runs? Well, uh, if, if I may just uh, preface my remarks by saying that uh, the reason I filed this bill is due to the, uh, the lack of fish that we've seen in our rivers as far as the, the returns of salmon in recent years. Uh, and we attribute that primarily to the uh, commercial intercept of salmon in Cook Inlet. So my bill uh, basically uh, provides, not basically, it, it provides for a, a preference for the uh, personal consumptive user, in other words, first priority. And uh, once the uh, stained uh, yield uh, goals are met as far as the minimum escapement, then the uh, sports fishermen, the uh, personal use uh, individual, as well as the subsistence user would have first priority at that resource, and then we would open up for the commercial industry. As it stands right now, uh, our, our runs have been decimated to the point now where people just simply aren't able to get their fish anymore, and I'm, I'm very concerned not only for that, but because of these sustained yield uh, concerns where the resources are literally being threatened right now at this point. Well, doesn't the, the, am I correct, uh, Representative Coring, that uh, the Constitution does mandate that the fish is managed by maximum sustained yield? Absolutely, and uh, I, I frankly don't think that we're uh, adhering to, to that provision within the Constitution, and I don't think the... Uh, uh, the Board of Fisheries is managing, uh, well, actually, they don't manage, of course, they direct the uh, department, but I don't think the, um, the, uh, the department is actually managing the resource as it should be, and that's why we're seeing uh, continued restrictions uh, placed on our rivers up here, which makes it real hard for people who've, uh, who count on those fish to feed their families to have access to those fish. Now, have you discussed this with uh, Kevin Delaney of the Department of Fish and Game? Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I've been in uh, regular uh, contact with uh, Kevin and other officials at uh, Fish and Game. And uh, I feel Kevin is with me on this uh, issue here. He's doing what he can as a, a sports fish uh, uh, division director, uh, but uh, he's uh, he's uh, faced with uh, a real challenge on his hands too, who uh, of, of those who oppose this uh, concept here. But uh, you know, really, the bottom line is, if we don't do something about the, the devastated runs that we're seeing, we're all going to hurt. Not just the commercial industry, but the uh, you know sports fishermen and the subsistence users. So so this bill hopefully will. Uh, will protect uh, the resource for all of us, regardless of what our uh, uh, background is. Well, if I understand it correctly, and, and correct me if I'm uh, wrong here, I thought that the uh, the Board of Fishery actually served at the pleasure uh, of the, well, appointed by the governor, but at the pleasure of the legislature. Uh, they do to the extent that we uh, confirm the appointments by the governor, but it's certainly at the pleasure of the governor, and the governor has put uh, his people on there that... Uh, that reflect his uh, philosophy on this issue, and and I I really don't think that uh, they're as concerned about the uh, the sports fishery as they need to be. You know, the governor in '94 he did promise to put more fish in the rivers. He promised to make uh, Upper Cook Inlet the uh, sports fish capital of the world, and we're definitely not seeing uh, movement in that direction. So I think we need to put the governor on the spot. We need to remind him of his campaign pledges, and uh, something needs to be done because it's a very serious problem. I think that he uh, said that uh, the best use of an Alaska salmon was on an Alaskan's dinner table. Boy, I agree with that. Uh -huh. you know, there, there's, a, there, there's a lot of folks up here who have traditionally for many, many years uh, have uh, depended on uh, salmon as a, as a very important uh, part of their diet, uh, as, a, as a very important food source to feed their families, to, to fill up their freezers with for the winter and so forth, and they're just not having access to those fish anymore because the fish aren't there. The fish, uh, at least in my mind, are being uh, in large part intercepted by the, uh, the commercial industry in Cook Inlet, by the Driftnet fleet and so forth. You know, I, certainly I'm not against the commercial industry, and, and the commercial folks have a right to make a living as well. 
but there just needs to be a more uh, fair allocation of that resource, and, and we keep getting shortchanged year after year up here in the valley. Back to the, to the Board of Fish for just a moment, uh, Representative. Uh, I know that they, the members themselves uh, serve at the pleasure of, uh, of the governor, but isn't it the legislator's responsibi legislature's responsibility to manage the fish and game, and they have appointed the Board of Fish to manage the fish? So in that respect, aren't they acting at the direction of the legislature? Uh I think that's a, a fairly accurate statement to make. However, you know, it's hard to say what the ultimate uh, direction is that they're going to take. You know, uh, certainly we play a role in, uh, in, uh, in confirming the appointments by the governor and that those, uh, those confirmees, you know, uh, direct the department to, to manage the resource. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to predict how they're going to ultimately manage that resource, and, and I'm really disappointed with the direction that we're going right now. I don't think uh, it's being managed in a way that uh, is fair to all. Well, if those uh, folks uh, are, man are supposed to be managing by uh, constitutional direction for maximum sustained yield, and uh, you as a member of the legislature, legislature and others uh, of members, uh, why can't, what accountability do they have? I mean, why can't you make them account for that? Yeah, well, it, it's hard to, to, to go back and, and undo something that we've uh, already done as far as a confirming an appointment, obviously. You know, if there's a change, uh, if anybody were to uh, fulfill their term or, or to resign or, or whatever, and we're, ha we're having to fill that slot again, we, we certainly should scrutinize that individual very carefully and make sure that person is going to be fair and open-minded about this. Um, so I, I guess that would be my response to that. Well, I guess what I'm saying, are those folks sworn in to uphold the Constitution when they're... Uh put in uh, like a like the legislator and governor absolutely and if they're not then uh, they're violating their uh, trust why can't we dispose of them uh, fire them uh, why can't we take them to court and and make them accountable in fact uh, representative uh, I had uh, a man write to me as editor of Alaska Outdoor magazine he wrote uh, because we had addressed some of these uh, concerns in the magazine and he, he was an attorney and he said in his opinion that if, the, if this and what we're talking about is true, that those people could be held personally responsible for under uh, doctrines of trust. They have violated their trust, mm -hmm. if what you're saying is true. How do you feel about that? I think you make some very good points, and I, I think uh, we ought to consider the court action as a possibility. If they're not uh, fulfilling their uh, constitutional obligation, you know, they, they uh, swore an oath to uphold the Constitution of Alaska just like I did as a legislator, and if they're not going to adhere to that, uh, their constituents ought to hold them accountable. And I think the governor ought to as well. And if he doesn't recognize they're doing their jobs adequately, he ought to replace those individuals. So you, in your opinion, the, the bill that you have is uh, wouldn't be necessary if they was managing according to the Constitution to start with? Absolutely. Now, what does your bill say? Well, my, my bill basically, in a nutshell, uh, says that uh, the... Uh, um, that, that the uh, Board of Direct... Uh, excuse me, the Board of Fisheries will... Uh, direct the Department of Fish and Game to provide for a uh, first priority to the personal consumptive user. And in that category is the uh, sports fisherman, the, uh, the uh, personal user, the person that goes down to, dip, to Fish Creek and dip nets for reds or whatever, and also the subsistence user. Um, so, so that's really all it is, just simply to give us a first crack at the resource. And, of course, that's uh, following uh, the sustained yield goals as far as the minimum uh, escapement of salmon being met. And those numbers, of course, are established by the Fish and Game. But once those sustained yield goals are met, then uh, we get that first priority of the resource. And then following that, it would go to the uh, commercial industry, and they can have, uh, uh, you know, 
all the fish that they want beyond that point. And the goal here of this bill, I might add, is to provide as much as 5% of the resource for this personal consumptive user. It, we're currently getting about 1% to 3% of the resource, and we're hoping to get just a, just a little bit bigger piece of that uh, pie out there. You know, I, I also might uh, mention that the uh, commercial industry is concerned that this bill is a threat to them. I, I don't think it is. We're just asking for just a, a little larger piece of the pie, as I mentioned. I really think that the issue is not one of volume from their perspective. It's one of uh, prices. And as we've seen, the prices certainly aren't depressed right now because of the market conditions, and that's why the commercial industry is hurting. It's not due to the volume. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't think that this bill is any kind of a threat to the commercial industry. In fact, uh, I think it'll help in the long run because we're talking about preserving and protecting that resource. Uh-huh. Uh, Representative Corrine uh, Ingrid is on the line. She has a question or a comment. Uh, Ingrid, go ahead. This is Evan Swenson. Today my guest is Representative Vic Corrine. Ingrid, you're on the air. Okay, I'm calling on a cell phone. I hope my battery doesn't go dead. I'm uh, <laughs> off Cook Inlet on Kachemak Bay out in the bush. And uh, there's a lot of problems connected with the salmon fishery. Number one, especially down here um, on Cook Inlet, uh, the logging has, has just about decimated all the habitat, um, and uh, Fish and Game has done a report called Resources at Risk, saying the Forest Practice Act isn't being enforced, the salmon streams are silting up, the bear is starving. That's one problem. Um, no enforcement of the Forest Practice Act and just rampant logging. In, and this is the heart of your spawning country, these streams, into Cook Inlet. And uh, I just don't think the natural resources, everybody wants to call this unendable resource, is going to withstand the impact without some help. And I think the legislature is going to have to make some arrangements there. And also the Kenai plan they want to enact is going to open up mining in all the Cook Inlet salmon streams, except for maybe three. And so those are some problems to consider the legislature should consider. They've cut cut funding way back so Fish and Game cannot enforce the Forest Practice Act. And also, they're coming up with this Kenai plan that mandates industry down here on the Kenai and mining the salmon stream. Thank okay, you, Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I got through before my battery went Okay, dead. thanks Bye-bye. a lot for calling. Uh, she had to go, uh, Representative uh, Corning. How do you feel about her uh, response, her comments? Well, I, I think her comments uh, should be taken very seriously. I think that should be given consideration as far as the habitat uh, protection issue. You know, it's certainly not uh, all just the intercept of, uh, of the fish, you know, in part it is the, uh, the biological problems too. You know, we saw less uh, silvers return, for example, this year. And, and uh, when I went down to Kodiak uh, last week to testify on this bill, they pointed out that they thought the, the warming trend they're seeing down there in the warmer waters are certainly having a, a negative effect on the numbers of fish that are returning. So, so it's not just the intercept, it's the biological part. In regard to the habitat issue, um, yeah, that that's certainly has to be given a serious consideration. Um, the, uh, the bank degre- degradation that we're seeing, you know, uh, along some of the rivers and streams, for example, in the Kenai is a concern, and, and uh, I understand there's some serious efforts uh, right now to, to try to uh, rehabilitate some of the banks down there. I, I visited with uh, Bob Penny last uh, summer and uh, went on a boat tour, and he showed me uh, much of what is being done down there. So, so that uh, the habitat certainly plays a, a significant role in this uh, whole situation. Well, uh, let me ask you uh, one other question uh, about this uh, uh, fishery that we're talking about uh, relative to your bill. Has there been any consideration, Representative Corning, about uh, the nutrient base of the water with the absence of the fish in the water? I'm not familiar with that particular issue. Okay. What what I was referring to, and uh, it may be something that you'll want to consider, if the fish is not returning, 
the nutrient base of the water, of course, is is nothing more uh, than that water. There's no nutrients in water, really, and right. and so there has to be something added to it mm-hmm. that carries it. Well, if the dead and decaying bodies are really a, the nutrient base of the Alaska waters, right? And uh, if the if their fish are not in the in the water, it seems to me that uh, their nutrient base is going to go down. Right. Now, uh, I, I have seen some reports, and I don't know whether you're familiar with them or not, where they've done a lot of uh, reports on the, the river over uh, the Karlak River on Kodiak. Almost all of the reports uh, deal with why the red run on the Karlak is getting smaller. And, and in order to bring those runs back up, the state and the Department of Fish or the uh, Wildlife Service is fertilizing Karlak River, putting nutrients back in the water. So I just wonder if we shouldn't look at uh, some of those things, because if we were a representative, uh, you, you are a friend of the commercial fishermen, and as I am too, but I'm in harmony with what you're talking about. Uh, but if we, were, if we decimate the nutrient base of the water, then commercial fishing is going to go away. Yes, well, you know what? I, I mentioned at the onset of this discussion here that I'm, I'm not against the commercial industry, and I think this legislation actually in the long run is going to be to their benefit because it's helping to protect the resource. You know, as far as the, the, the nutrient base in the water, uh, if there's something that Fish and Game through the research concludes that we need to do to help uh, enhance that resource, you know, I would be all for, uh, um, you know, funds in the budget to, uh, to enhance uh, improving the quality of our water, certainly. There has uh, been some people that I have talked to, Representative, uh, that says that we ought to just shut down commercial fishing and all sports fishing, all fishing, period, until we have a handle on what it uh, is is happening. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? I don't think that's uh, really necessary. It might get to that point, to be frank. You know, the way the resource is being uh, devastated to the extent where we're seeing very few fish return to our rivers and streams of the Matsu, I'm really worried that we're going in the direction of uh, what we saw down in Oregon and Northern California and Washington, where we're... Uh, you know, some of the species of salmon actually are going to be endangered. You know, for example, uh, Wasilla Creek, my understanding is there was a scant 18 silvers that, that went up that stream. Bodenburg uh, Creek out of Palmer, there used to have thousands of salmon go up that, and, and this summer alone it was just a couple hundred. So I'm really concerned about uh, the resource, uh, you know, greatly being threatened. And if it means uh, sh- shutting it down, it's quite possible we might get to that point. I still think we've got uh, pretty good numbers of fish overall that do, in fact, uh, migrate up the inlet there, and it is a matter of uh, the, the intercept uh, catching the lion's share of those fish and leaving us shortchanged up here. So, so in my mind, it, it's pretty obvious what's going on right now and that the fish and game should, uh, should change the style of their management, their philosophy, and allow for more fish to escape beyond those commercial nets. When I uh, first arrived in Alaska before statehood, uh, Representative, uh, the, the runs uh, here were not as good, I don't think, as they are now. Uh, I recall that at the time of statehood, there was, uh, as I remember it, now this has been a lot of years ago, so if I'm off a few fish, don't hold me accountable for it, okay. but I think there was seven kings escaped in Ship Creek okay. b- uh, before they actually shut off the uh, fishing for king salmon in, this, in Cook Inlet there. Right. So, you know, why is it, uh, Representative, that we wait until the run or the, the thing is completely gone and then we try to have to build it back rather than you know, get ahead of it? Why, is, why do we do that? Yeah, I, I just think it's a manager, matter of poor management, and we need to anticipate uh, what the future might hold and, uh, you know, pr- predict, uh, you know, the best we can as far as uh, 
what the runs could be in the future and, uh, and, and manage our resource accordingly. You know, you know as far as uh, Ship Creek, that, that, of course, is an enhanced run by the, uh, by the hatchery. It's, it's not a natural run as far as the, the, the lion's share of those fish that are being caught in that river. But uh, certainly we, we need to do the best we can to anticipate what might happen in the future and, uh, and manage our resource so that we don't get to the point where we're risking the, the, uh, the, the very fish here, you know, and risking uh, uh, devastating the resource and losing that resource as far as the wild stocks. In your opinion, is the problem with the Board of Fishery? Yes, it is. They're, they're not giving the direction that uh, we would expect them to to the uh, to, to the uh, Department of Fish and Game to manage that resource and to give a higher priority to the uh, to the personal consumptive user. So, so that that's the whole premise of my argument, and, and that's uh, the basic content of my legislation, to to basically force uh, the uh, the Board of Fisheries to to mandate that the uh, department uh, um, allow for more of the fish to escape to our rivers. Do you have uh, people that uh, in uh, the legislator legislation? Uh, yeah, I do have harmony. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, now this is going out on a limb a little bit, but I really feel that uh, the majority of my colleagues in Juneau support, uh, at least in concept, this legislation here. I've got uh, several co-sponsors on this bill. Representative Massick has co-sponsored it. Uh, Representative Mulder. Um, there are a lot of people that are very concerned about this. There's a lot of people that represent the South Central Alaska area that uh, recognize the, the magnitude of this problem here and, and do, do support what I'm trying to accomplish. The the reason I haven't had good success, to be frank with you, in trying to get this to the legislature is because uh, key individuals uh, who, uh, who are commercial fishermen uh, supporters do hold uh, very important positions and have made it difficult for me to get this uh, bill to advance to, to where I need it to. Uh, Representative, we're going to take a, a break and pay our bills, but when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit of, uh, more about why this bill is even necessary, why the legislature uh, cannot uh, hold the uh, Board of Fishery accountable, and another thing that it seems to me is if your bill goes through, why then that uh, opens up uh, doors that the maximum sustained yield clause of the Constitution may be in jeopardy. I'd like to talk to you when we come back. Uh, about that. Yeah, I, I look forward to that. Okay, we will be uh, back in just a moment. We'll talk more to Representative Vic Cronin about improving the dismal fishing runs. Stay tuned to Alaska Outdoor Magazine, accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. There's an author masterminds book by T. Martin O'Neill, operational intelligence specialist, field operative, and true patriot, Into the Fire. Members of the elite Navy SEALs performed operations from counter-narcotics, counter-human trafficking, and even counter-piracy. These men placed their lives on the line daily as true humanitarians. Seen through the eyes of attached naval intelligence operatives, their stories can now be revealed. These operations, specific missions, even their love stories are recounted in Into the Fire. You'll find all of T. Martin's Navy SEALs novels with the publication's consultant's logo on the cover at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. If you'd like to be an author mastermind's published author like T. Martin O'Neill, operational intelligence specialist, field operative, and true patriot, publication consultants can help. If you've written a book, if you're writing a book, or if you're thinking about writing a book, call for the free booklet, Bringing Your Book to Market. Call 349-2424. Into the Fire was just a dream until T. Martin ordered his own Bringing Your Book to Market. Publication consultants will send you the booklet free. Call 349-2424 for the free booklet 
bringing your book to market. 349-2424. T. Martin O'Neill called, and now Into the Fire is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. You're listening to Alaska Outdoor Magazine on 700 KBYR. Welcome back to your KBYR window to Alaska Outdoors, Alaska Outdoors Magazine. We're glad you decided to come along with us. We're talking with Representative Vic Coring today about improving the dismal fishing runs. Let's come back to this um, uh, idea of uh, your bill. And uh, what, what I'm concerned with, and uh, let's explore that for just a moment, uh, if the legislature, I mean, if the Department of Fish and Game, Board of Fishery, more directly, is uh, managing for maximum sustained yield correctly, your bill is unnecessary. Is that correct? I would say so. There would not have been a reason for me to have been prompted to file this bill if, uh, if they were managing it uh, in a way that was equitable for, for all user groups out there. And the other thing is, is if the Constitution also provides that the resources for the use of the common user mm -hmm. and the commercial fishing interest is a special user, not common user, uh, why is it that your bill is necessary if the fishery is being managed under that uh, part of the Constitution? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough one to answer. I'm just uh, I just really feel that uh, my my bill helps to uh, uh, enable enables us in the legislature to fulfill our constitutional obligation to provide for sustaining that uh, resource out there, regardless of who the, who the user user is out there. And uh, we're, we're not uh, fulfilling that obligation right now because uh, one user group, the uh, the I guess you can call them the common user, the the sports fishermen and, and so forth is is being shortchanged to a significant degree right now, and it's a, it's a major problem, and I just feel uh, it's my obligation to do something about that. Well, I know that you're frustrated as I am. I think that all of us that have gone out on the fishing stream and spent all day and uh, fished in a, you know, we could have stayed home with Simple Simon and fished in a bucket and, and had about as much success because of the lack of runs, and at the same time, we realize that the, that the commercial fishing is out there not too far from the mouth of the river uh, with nets that virtually block off any fish coming up. Right. Uh, but in our frustration, what I'm concerned with, uh, I think, and I'd like to talk to you about, is if your, if your bill goes through, then it seems to me that that would overshadow or, or stand between then the uh, Board of Fishery doing their job according to the Constitution yeah. of managing for maximum sustained yield yeah. and and to the common user and as so though that that law then will come into effect and then the other t negates the other two parts right so then your five percent then actually ends up being what the common user gets and that's what maximum sustained yield means off on into indefinitely regardless of the resource how do you feel yeah. about that yeah i really don't think uh, we're talking about negating the uh, principles of the constitution provisions i should say i think we're we're i think this legislation uh, you know um, enables us to fulfill our, our obligation for the constitution you know i, I know i've uh, said that two or three times already but i, I can't help but keep reiterating that if we have our obligation and uh, this bill helps to fulfill that obligation as a result of the board uh, in the department not uh, managing that resource uh, uh, appropriately and adequately. Uh, Senator Corey and I forgot something here. We promised our listeners we'd have a, a trivia contest. Sure. We're going to do that right now, and when we come back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about fish farming. Okay. How do you feel about that? You give you a chance to think about it okay. and get your answer prepared. It is time for Alaska Outdoors Trivia Contest. If you're the first to answer today's question, 
you'll win two tickets to Saturday's UAA hockey game. If you're a hockey fan, if you think you know Alaska trivia, call 561-3260. Here's the question for today's trivia contest. First, the facts. The coastal rainforest, which begins near Coos Bay, Oregon, extends to Prince William Sound. And as you depart Whittier in Prince William Sound, you pass Seth Glacier at the head of Poe Valley. To the right of Poe Valley, there is a large circular patch of downed trees. That's the facts. Now the question, what caused the large circular patch of downed trees? If you think you know what caused that large circular patch of downed trees to the right of Poe Valley outside of Whittier in Prince William Sound, call 561-3260. And if you're the first to, with the correct answer, you'll win two tickets to Saturday's UAA hockey game. 561-3260 if you think you know what caused the large circular patch of downed trees to the right of Poe Valley outside of Whittier and Prince William Sound. 561-3260. Representative uh, Corey, while we're waiting for callers to think about that, I think I might stump them today anyway. <laughs> Why, uh, uh, let's talk about uh, fish farming. Do you know the answer to that, by the way? <laughs> No, I'm uh, certainly no guru. I don't have the answers on that one. I, I, I will say, though, that uh, I, I support in concept, anyway, the, the idea of fish farming. You know, uh -huh. I, I know uh, some of my commercial friends might uh, cringe at hearing that, but you know, the, the fact is uh, fish farming is becoming prevalent throughout the world, and, and that's uh, in large part why we're seeing such uh, uh, dismal prices you know, with the salmon, because it's gotten so competitive out there, and the markets are so flooded with salmon that our, our natural runs, as far as what we're able to uh, sell them for out there that are being caught by the commercial folks, um, you know, the prices are just depressed, and we're hurting badly. So if, uh, if there's a way we can um, tap into that uh, uh, market in a better way, uh, say, for example, with fish farming, I say go for it. Okay, well, we'll want to explore that with you for just a few moments. So we've got a caller on the line that thinks that uh, they know the answer to our uh, quiz. Uh, Philip, put the first caller on, and let's, uh, let's talk to them. Go ahead, caller. You're on the air. Yeah, is it a Chinook wind? Uh... I wonder if we could take that as the answer. Uh, I think we're going to pass on that one. Okay. <laughs> we'll take the next caller and see. If, and if we don't come up with it, you come on back and I'll talk to you for a few minutes. Let's take the next caller. Go ahead. You're on the air. Caller, Hello? go ahead. Am I on? Yes, go ahead. Um, I say it's a tidal wave. Well, you're, uh, you're not as close as the last caller. Darn. But thank you for calling. Uh-huh. Okay, Philip, we got any others? Or, okay, I think we're going to stump them today, uh, Representative. Okay. I know we stumped you, didn't we? Um, you have on a couple of your questions, certainly. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about fish farming. You say that you're in favor of fish farming yeah. uh, by in concept. Yeah, I, I can't say that I, I know the issue real well. I know that there's a bill that has been advocated by Representative Mulder, my colleague in the House. Uh, but just conceptually, generally speaking, I, I think it's something that ought to be given consideration. I don't think government ought to be uh, getting in the way of... Uh, the free market forces out there, you know, if, uh, if, the, if, there's, if the private sector out there wants to, uh, you know, um, uh, tap into that market through the fish farming, I, I say go for it, uh, you know, allow them to, to do that. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we ought to be getting in the way of that. Uh, in fact, uh, Representative, uh, isn't the state really fish farming anyway? Uh, I suppose, in a sense, we are, as, as far as how, as far as the fact that we're managing, you know, our, our natural stocks out there. In, in a sense, that that is a form of fish farming, I suppose. And I, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I was going to make the observation that, you know, I, I would prefer just to see us enhance our, our our natural runs right now, and perhaps that's a way that we can become more competitive if we have uh, uh, more fish out there to uh, to harvest. 
And if there's ways that we can improve uh, getting those fish to the marketplace as well, I know that's uh, one of the ways that we're being beaten right now is the fact that these fish farms in Chile and Brazil and Norway, they're able to, 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 to get those fish and, and put them on airplanes and have them on dinner tables and restaurants around the world that same day. So it, it's not just an issue of uh, numbers of fish. It's also an issue of uh, how to get those fish to market uh, expeditiously. So, so I, I think we can be more competitive if we enhance our resources, make more available, but also improve on our methods of uh, getting these to market. Be better farmers is what you're saying. Uh, you bet. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see if I can't give these two tickets away, and then we'll come back and finish up with uh, these issues of fishing. Uh, Philip, let's, uh, let's uh, talk to the first uh, person there and see if they've got the answer. Go ahead. You're, have you got the answer today? Oh, I thought we had someone there. Okay. Well, anyway, I think we'll just cancel the uh, contest for today. I think we stumped you, <laughs> uh, and we'll uh, bring that in back a another time. I want to uh, spend the rest of the time uh, visiting with you, Representative, okay. on these uh, issues. Let's talk about uh, fish farming. Uh, uh, Philip, if uh, anyone else calls in with a, on the contest, to uh, tell them the contest's over. If they'd like to talk to their representative, we will do that. Okay. We ha do have a caller that wants to make a comment about the issues that we're talking about right now, so we will take that call. Uh, caller, you're on the air talking to Representative Vic Corning. Go ahead. Hello. Yes, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, uh, yeah I had a uh, couple questions for him there. Um, you know, I was just, I've been listening to your program here, and you talked to Vicky at the Natural Pantry there, and we were talking about, uh, you were talking about, you know, chemical-free turkeys and no drugs and stuff, and then, you know, you're advocating fish farming. Um, how do you do one without the other is my first question. And uh, the second question is that isn't the basis the basic problem of the current management system that the people of South Central, i.e. Cook Inlet users, are the the ones that really seem to be having the problems as opposed to the majority of the rest of the state? Uh, go ahead, uh, Representative Corning. I think what I'll do is answer the second question. I didn't, I didn't actually clearly hear the first one here, but as, as far as the uh, problems with management in South Central Alaska, um, the, 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 the legislation that I have here does, in fact, uh, address South Central Alaska, namely Cook Inlet. It is uh, what we call Cook Inlet specific. There's verbiage in the bill that says uh, the bill only is applicable to areas in the state that have uh, 500,000 angler days of use uh, per year or greater, and only Cook Inlet applies. And, and that's kind of the, the thrust of my efforts here, to focus just on Cook Inlet, because that's where we're having the problem more so than anywhere else in the state. Uh, so, so we do, in fact, need to... Uh, address the problem of management specifically to Cook Inlet here in South Central Alaska. So hopefully that'll answer that question. So, so what you're saying then is it's Cook Inlet specific, your bill is? Now how does that uh, set with you, uh, caller? Um, I, I think that's a, a lot more, I, I, I'm a commercial fisherman, but I'm also an avid, avid sports fisherman. My family and I, we do an awful lot of sports fishing. I live in Anchorage, but I fish in southeast and in the Gulf of Alaska, and I see how you know, the previous fish bills that have come forward on the 5% deal, you know, that you start trying to divide 5% up in other areas, and it doesn't seem like it, it, uh, it just doesn't seem like it fits the bill. Cook Inlet, I realize particularly the, the valley streams and stuff have been really hard hit the past few years, and it seems like they're not improving any. And I, I, I'd have, I'd like to read the whole bill, and I'll, when I get into town, I'll, uh, get a chance to maybe pick up a copy of it at the, the, uh, I want, to, I want to thank you for recognizing you know, the legislative information office or something there. But um, the other the other question I had, the first question was, um, you're advocating um, uh, potentially advocating fish farming, and I was curious how that how you you, I, 
just got done with an advertisement um, for the natural pantry about natural fish and um, talking about fatty acids and how that stuff's good for you and stuff. And everybody's pretty well aware that uh, when you start introducing farmed fish that you're using an awful lot of antibiotics and steroids and so forth, and there's always escapement. Um, I'm just curious how, how you would address that problem. To date, we just have not been able to have uh, fish farming without uh, adding chemicals is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly, and there's, uh-huh. there's a, you know, it's a, it's a well-known fact that there's an awful lot of, of uh, disease and stuff that goes into there. Matter of fact, in um, there's, a, you know, been a number of times when the Chileans have virtually killed off a lot of their stocks because they've got disease into them and they don't want them to spread into the rest of their pens. And British Columbia, to an extent, has had the same type of uh, situations. Um, and there's a definite concern amongst the, you know, the, the user groups, whether they're commercial or they're, they're sports groups, as far as, uh, you know, getting potentially disease from those wild, those natural uh, uh-huh. wild fish in the streams and stuff from the, from the farm fish. Right. Well, that's one of the reasons that Alaska salmon's been so popular. Uh, Representative, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that's a, a very important consideration, and that's something that we ought to take a real hard look at before we pass any uh, such legislation. You know, I, I don't want there to be a... Uh, uh, jeopardizing, you know, of the of the quality of our of our uh, natural uh, stocks out there, you know, and if, if there's going to be a major threat to that, we need to, to make sure that if we pass any such uh, legislation, that it uh, takes that into consideration, that appropriate measures are taken to prevent uh, any spread of disease out there. You know, I, I know that Alaska is just famous for its so uh, wonderful uh, high quality of uh, of its salmon here, and I, I don't want to to jeopardize that. So. I don't know what the answers to that are. I think that's going to have to be answered by the fish and game as far as how we can uh, prevent that, if, if we can at all, from happening in terms of spreading disease and things of that nature. So that, that's going to have to be taken a real hard and close look at before we pass any bill. We appreciate you bringing that up, uh, caller. Uh, thank you for calling, and thank you for listening. Oh, uh, thank you very much. Have a nice day. You Bye. bet. Uh, just to, uh, We're going to run out of time here. and We're going to end up with one last cast in a few, a few moments. Let me just pose this to you. A representative uh, Corian, to see how you feel about this. If we're fish farmers, and, and we, I guess you and I agree that we really are, that right. the, the state is the fish farmer, and we're sending out harvesters, commercial fishermen by and large, our sports fishermen, to harvest uh, our crop. Is it, isn't it uh, odd that we would uh, make it so difficult for our for our harvesters uh, to go out, we we set limits. We uh, we send them out on days that are stormy and rough water, and we make it very hard and difficult instead of easy. Why don't we just uh, bring them in at the mouth of the river where the fish are going to come, and and just take them at the mouth and and share the proceeds, uh, and then just be we could be economically uh, uh, competitive with the rest of the world and and become uh, real good uh, fish farmers. That's an excellent point. I never really thought of it from that perspective. You know, why make it hard for the commercial industry, for that matter? Why send them out in very dangerous uh, conditions? Why, uh, why limit the, you know, the numbers of days or hours they can catch? Why not just to make it easy and <laughs> and, uh, and and let them catch the fish where the fish are under easier conditions than uh, what they're experiencing right now? I, I I like that idea. That's 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 a great idea. Well, that was that was saw some of the problems of uh, mixed uh, stocks too. You know, now we know that exactly uh, that there, there's no uh, upper Cook, Cook Inlet uh, salmon are going to be caught uh, inadvertently because right. they're going to be caught where they are in Cook Inlet. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think that's such a good idea. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass it along to Fish and Game and uh, see what they think.
Well, share that. Uh, share your results with me, well, Representative. I will. Okay. Hey, thank you for being here today, and we'll talk again. Okay. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be on the air, and uh, good fishing to everybody. You bet. Take care now. Well, now, before we close the show, there's just time for one last cast. Today's one last cast comes from Roy Randall of a Fognac Wilderness Lodge and is titled Honey and the Black Bear Cub. This story happened on the Kenai Peninsula in a remote location in a construction camp. One spring, a black bear cub wandered into camp and took up friendship with Bill German, a plumber, plumber from Kodiak. I guess Bill started feeding the cub, and the little black bear just took up with him. It acted just like a little dog and followed him around. Honey, as Bill named him, became very tame after a couple of weeks. Bill fashioned Honey with a leash and a collar and would lead him around. They wouldn't allow Honey in any of the camp buildings, but uh, Bill built, a honey, built Honey a large cage and cased him in it up each night. They had a good friendship going. Then one night, in the middle of the night, Bill heard the camp dogs barking frantically. He got up and went out in his underwear to see what was the matter. Bill discovered the dogs had treed his little honey up one of the power poles around the camp. Honey was on the very top of the pole and just as scared as could be. Bill was there just in his underwear, but he climbed up the rungs on the, po the pole wearing only his shorts and saying, Here, honey, here, honey, come on down, honey. The little cub scratched him up a fair amount, but he finally got him down. Honey had never acted like that before, and Bill was wondering why his pet bear had left him all scratched up. By the time uh, Bill got Honey down, he wondered how Honey had got out and just whisked her into her cage. When he finally got what he thought was Honey into the cage, he realized he now had two bears. All of a sudden, he wondered where the cub's mother was. Fortunately for Bill and the other construction workers, she never did show up to defend her offspring. Bill ended his fr friendship with Honey and the pole climbing look-alike and turned them both over to the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. The game guys never did find out what happened to the cub's mother. They surmised that they were twins and somehow got separated from their mom or something had happened to her. At any rate, Bill didn't do any more cl climbing poles at night in his underwear. Uh, Roy Randall passes this tip along to, uh, to us as well. If you walk into a bear's cache, go very carefully right back the way you came. The bear is generally nearby and may charge if he thinks you're another bear coming to steal his cache of food. It's a good idea to let the bear know you're there and you are human. Yell and wave your arms. Hold your arms high so he can tell you are not a bear. You can tell if a bear is making a false charge if the bear's ears are sticking up, front legs are stiff, and he's making a woofy noise. He will also be stomping the ground and giving you a chance to get away. It means you have approached a kill or his territory and you are getting too close to cubs. If his ears are folded back and the bear is making a popping sound with his teeth, he is dead serious and nothing will stop him from coming except a bullet. By the way, I've never had a bear charge that I didn't pick a fight with the bear. My gratitude goes out today to those who have made this show possible and special thanks to you, our loyal listener. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Monday at 2 and invite you to come along with us. If it's in the outdoors and it's in Alaska, you'll find it on Alaska Outdoor Magazine. Goodbye and good luck. May God bless you in the land of the midnight sun. And may your days be happy and long in Alaska's outdoors. Monday, as always, will bring you accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. In the meantime, keep in touch.